That concludes my announcements. I'll be back up here in a couple more minutes and we'll officially start our service. In the meantime, take a moment and greet one another. Good morning. I want to welcome everybody that's gathered here in the sanctuary, along with those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning at First Church. Before I go any further, I want to extend a warm, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, whether you're here or listening on radio or watching on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for all you do. Now, to start our worship service, those who are able, will you please rise and join me? For a call to worship. This morning is taken from John 1, verses 1 through 5, and also verses 9 through 14. Follow along with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to, he, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him... To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Please remain standing for opening praise songs. Miracle Power, what a beautiful name it is, and Break Every Chain. Mm-hmm. 
Jesus, we call on you. We call on you to inhabit our praises. We can do nothing without you. You are the name above all names. You are our foundation and our rock on which we stand. Your name is beautiful. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The miracle powers of the Old Testament are the same in the New Testament, are the same in our lives today. Father, we kneel to you. All authority has been given to you.
God, we come to you now in prayer and praise, declaring the beautiful and wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. We come here in the full faith knowing that Jesus died and rose again. Everything we know to be true about you, we know because of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Through him, we see the glory of God being revealed. Through him, we see the love of God reaching down and rescuing us from our sin. And yes, in Jesus too, we see the holiness and righteousness of God on display in his perfectly obedient and sinless life. And so we come to you now, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your life, your death, and your resurrection. We thank you for your power at work in us through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you rescue us from our sins and you've given us new life. And that new life is available to all who put their trust in you as Savior and Lord. And so in that powerful name of Jesus, we come to you and lift up our concerns and our requests. 
We praise you for the, the many wonderful ways you've worked in our lives, the answers to prayer, even when it's not been the way we expect, Lord. We trust and know that you are always at work. And so because of that, we come to you in full faith and confidence that you will continue to work in these other circumstances. The prayers and concerns that are represented in our bulletin, we lift up the families and the individuals to you, Lord, and ask that you would work according to your will in their lives. Lord, we also want to thank you this day for the mothers in our lives. On Mother's Day, we, are, we praise you and thank you for our mothers. We thank you for their influence in our lives, their many prayers for us as we have grown. And, and we just thank you, Lord, for all that they are and all that they do in our lives. Lord, on Mother's Day, we also pause to pray for those who long to be mothers and cannot, who lost children, for those who today is a day of grief because of circumstances in their lives. We ask that you would hold them in your hands as well, Lord. Comfort those who are grieving and be a source of strength for those who need it. Lord, you are everything that we need. And in you, we find our hope. In you, we find our joy. And in you, we find our identity. Not our circumstances, no matter how good or how bad they may be. Lord, our circumstances do not define us. You do. And so we thank you and praise you for that. And we come to you now and pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you following along in the bulletin, you notice we're doing things a little bit different today. I want to invite the choir to come forward. They're going to be um, providing our music during communion. Uh, on many Sundays when we serve communion, we often do that at the end of the service, which is, of course, a, a fitting and a very appropriate time to serve communion. We've had an opportunity to praise God and through music. We've had an opportunity to fellowship together as the body of believers, and we've had an opportunity to hear from His Word. And so uh, the end of the service is a, a natural and normal time for us to take communion. But today we wanted to do things a little different because sometimes when communion is safe for the end of the service, it can feel rushed. Sometimes we feel like, all right, we got we to gotta get this over with so we can get to Sunday school or get on to our next thing in the day. And so sometimes we, we approach communion in a hurried state of mind. I know I do at times. And so today we wanted to do something a little bit different, and that is we wanted to, to put communion earlier in the service so that we can truly focus on what this meal represents. Not worried about being late to Sunday school or our next activity for the day, but truly focusing in on the body and blood of Christ and what that means for us. And so today we are going to serve communion earlier in the service. 
We're going to serve it as we normally do. And for those of you who are not familiar with our way of serving communion, we're going to, in a moment after I pray and everything, we're going to invite you forward. There's going to be stations on both sides of the altar. You can come down the side aisles, receive the elements, and bring those back to your pews. And take that time as coming forward and sitting down to, to prayerfully remember why we do this as a body of believers. And then after everybody's been served, we'll have a moment where we can take those elements together. And so remember why we do what we do. Right? Communion is a, it is a joyful celebration of Christ's sacrifice for us. There is much to be thankful for. First and foremost, for his death and his resurrection, which this meal represents. But it's also a serious time of reflection, too. It's a time to come to the table with the knowledge that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve God's grace because we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We all need to be rescued from our sin. We need to be transferred, as the Scripture says, from the dominion of darkness into the dominion of the Son, of His Son, whom He loves. And so I encourage you, as you come forward to prayerfully acknowledge your sin before the Lord, take these elements with with joy and with a joy and a seriousness that go hand in hand, knowing that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior that we need. And so I'm going to take time to pray, and I invite you to pray with me as well as we go before the Lord in the silence of our own hearts and confess our sin to Him and thank Him for His salvation. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank You for this time that we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do it, not in a rushed manner, added on to the end of the service, but, but as a time now to truly focus in on why we do what we do. And so we come to you now in humility, acknowledging our sin before you. Lord, every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done things and said things and thought things that are not pleasing to you. And we have left things undone that we know we should have done. And so hear us now, as in the silence of our hearts, we come to you and confess our sins. Lord God, we thank you for the promises of your word. One of them being 1 John 1, 9, which reminds us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. It is on that promise and the many other promises in Scripture that, that reinforce that, that we come to this table now knowing that our sins are forgiven, that those who have put their trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord have received new life, that their sins have been wiped clean and they have been clothed in, in your righteousness to the glory and praise of God our Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For I have received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. My blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, we invite you to take the sacrament to your comfort. Again, if there's anybody who's unable to come forward, we will have a couple elders serve in the pews as well. Feel free uh, to remain seated if that is what you need to do.
This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And this is his blood, which is shed for you, that your sins may be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper here together today. We thank you for, Lord Jesus, for your body, which is broken for us, your blood, which is shed for us, that our sins would be forgiven. We pray now that you would fill us with your grace, with your Holy, the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, that we may live for you this day and every day to the glory of God our Father. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. This time I want to invite Maria forward as well as our Children for Children's chat. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. All right, we have a couple more who are coming down from upstairs. So we're going to wait just a second. All right. So, what is today? What? Mother's Day. How many of you remembered to wish Mom a happy Mother's Day this morning? Good job. All right, so I want you to think about your mom for a second, okay? What kind of things does mom do for you? Uh, she, ties my shoes. she ties your shoes for you. Cooks, my dinner and washes my clothes. Cooks your dinner, washes your clothes. She plays with you, yeah. She tucks you in at night, yes. She reads you the Bible. Well, I brought us a couple things with me here today that kind of remind me of my mom. So, brought some oatmeal because my mom always told me, you got to eat breakfast. Okay, it's the most important meal of the day. Okay. She also, I brought, what's this? A sewing thing. The pin cushion, yeah, it's got pins in it, because my mom sewed all my clothes until I was in about the third grade, and she still loves to sew today. Now she makes quilts, and I aspire to be like her. Okay, you know what else my mom taught me? How to clean, but you know what? Being the oldest and living on a farm, I got out of having to clean. I said, I'm going out to help dad. And so that's what I did. And I went out and I fed calves and milked cows. And guess what? I still don't like to clean. <laughs> All right. You know what else my mom loved to do and always let us do? Bake. My mom loves to bake. And she liked always, it was always fine to have something baked in the house. And that might be because my dad really liked to have baked things in the house. I'm not sure. So, but 
the most important thing that my mom shared with me was Jesus and how much he loves us and how it's important to take time every day to pray and to and to listen to music that is about Jesus and to sing about him and so as we think about mothers today and mothers day i want you to think about all the awesome things that your mom does for you and things that you like to do with your mom what are things you like to do with your mom Hirsch, what do you like to do with your mom? Uh, play, games. play games. Miles? Snuggle with her on the couch. Do that for a long time because there's nothing better than snuggles with mom. Okay? Yes? Read Harry Potter. Werewolf boys, what do you like to do with your mom? Ah. Nothing? You guys got some work to do today. <laughs> yes, Emma. You like to go flower shopping with her? That's fun, isn't it? Go out and take care of the chickens? Okay. So we all have lots of things. Now, sometimes moms have to do things that you don't always like, like correct you when you do something, telling you you have to clean your room and pick up toys, but you know what? Go shopping. It's the worst thing ever, spoken like a true boy. Yep. But you know what? In the Bible, it tells us moms that we're supposed to correct our children and teach them to work and to follow the ways of Jesus. And so the next time mom is writing you because your room is not clean, or you're not using nice words, you need to remember that mom is just doing what God wants her to do. Okay? And so, let's say a quick prayer for all of our moms. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our moms. Help us to remember that when we think of our moms, that we know that she loves us with all her heart. And that she will love us no matter how we behave or what we say or what we do. Lord, be with our moms. Help them to be strong. Give them the courage to make those hard calls and those hard decisions. Be with the grandmas and give them the ability to love and enjoy and spend time with their littles. God loves each mother so much. Help us to show our moms today how much we love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Maria. You guys can head back to your seats. And as they're heading back, I just want to remind you our, t our offering today is the support of those in need fund here at the church. Um, that fund is an opportunity for us as a church to help those who are in need. Uh, obviously, um, and, and in situations, and it's been such a blessing as a pastor to be able to help people in difficult circumstances uh, with the resources that are made available in that fund. And so um, I want to encourage you to give as you feel led to give this morning, and any undesignated offerings in the plate will go into the Those in Need Fund so we can help those who are struggling. So I encourage you to give as you feel led to give today. Deacons, please come forward and collect the offering.
Sometimes I fall to my knees and pray. Come, Jesus, come. Let today be the day. Sometimes I feel like I'm gone.
scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It can be found on page 1063 in your pew Bibles. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman. Why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together once again. Father God, we are grateful for the reading of your word and the opportunity to worship you together as a church family this morning. Now, as we turn our attention to the scriptures, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This is one of those passages that I don't think gets as much attention as many of the other miracle stories in John's gospel or throughout the other gospels, in fact. 
I, re- I reference this in passing in, in the wedding ceremonies that I do because this is a scene where Jesus graces uh, the wedding with his presence. But there's so much more than going on than Jesus just being at a wedding reception. And there's so much more to this story than too than we understand in our modern uh, perspective of how weddings and, re- and receptions operates. In that day, weddings are very, were very important social events. They didn't last just one day or two days. Sometimes they would last up to a week. Now, any of you fathers of the bride out there, just imagine having that reception last for seven days and what that might do to your checkbook, right? But that, to run out of wine or to run out of food or to otherwise show a lack lack of hospitality was a major source of shame. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, wants her son to do something to help the family avoid this public embarrassment. So she informs Jesus of the situation, and although he's resistant at first, he eventually listens to her. And maybe there's a Mother's Day lesson in that, right? Right? Children, listen to your mom the first time she tells you to do something, right? She knows what she's doing, and you'll save a whole lot of time for everyone involved if you just listen, right? And Mary also had faith in her son before anyone else did, right? She had no doubt that Jesus was able to make something happen. She may not have known exactly what he was going to do, but she had full faith that Jesus could do something to help. She knew that he was the Messiah before anyone else. But if we've read the Gospels carefully, that should not be a surprise to us. She was told by an angel about this child before he was even born, and she treasured those things up in her heart. And so Jesus goes on to tell the waiters to fill the stone jars with water. He tells them to take some of that out and serve it to the master of ceremonies. At some point in the process, and the text doesn't clearly say when, the water turns into wine. Jesus provides for this family, and they avoid the very public embarrassment and shame that would have been involved. Now, compared to some of Jesus' other miracles, this event seems like more of a neat party trick than a life-changing event. But verse 11 says something really important about this story. It says that it is the first sign that Jesus performed which revealed his glory and caused his disciples to believe in him. And so to better understand what's going on in John 2, we need to understand about what these signs were, rep- were meant to represent. And that found in Jesus is greater than anything else this world has to offer. And so first is the significance of the signs in John's gospel. In fact, John's gospel is organized, organized around seven signs or miracles that take place. And just a brief rundown of them, Jesus changes water into wine. He heals the nobleman's son. He heals a lame man. He feeds 5,000 people. He walks on water. He heals a blind man, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And if you want a bonus eighth sign, some people throw the resurrection of, his, of Jesus into the, into the list as well. So compared to the other signs on this list, turning water into wine seems a little out of place. It may not be life-changing like, or as significant as the others, but this is the one that kind of got it all started. And so a sign is something that points beyond itself. It's a miracle that, that shows us something. And so what do these signs point to? Verse 11 tells us they give us a glimpse of Jesus' glory. In the call to worship, you heard John 1.14, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And so in these signs and in these miracles, it's like we're getting a glimpse of that glory of Jesus. 
In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his, be- of his being. In this sign, as well as the others, we see God's glory on display in Jesus Christ. We see a bit of the kingdom of God breaking through into our world. And we get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, if you will. And so signs reveal Jesus' glory, but they also point people, give people the opportunity to put their faith in him. It says the disciples believed in him because of this miracle. This is pretty early in his ministry. He, he even says himself his time had not yet come. And when Jesus says that, he's, his time that he's referring to is his public ministry that will eventually lead to his death and his resurrection. That is the ultimate display of God's glory is through Jesus' death and his, resurre- his resurrection. And he knew that as soon as that first miracle happened, that first public miracle the ball would start rolling, right? The clock would start ticking and it would only be a matter of time before his death and his resurrection. So this is, in a sense, where it all starts to make sense for the disciples. That Jesus isn't just a rabbi. He isn't just a good moral teacher. That he is so much more than that. And when the disciples saw the sign, they began to believe. Near the end of John's gospel, he, he, John reiterates this idea about signs in John 20, 30 through 31. He says, Jesus performed many other signs, that same word, that signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. See, the purpose of the signs in the gospel as a whole is that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, And that by believing, we may have eternal life. You've maybe heard that phrase, saving faith before, right? A faith that saves. We can believe a whole lot of important facts about Jesus, that he really lived, that he had disciples, even that he died and rose again. But saving faith is when you put your trust and believe that he died for you. Believing in his name that you may have eternal life. And that is what the miracle of water into wine points us to, the abundant life that is found in Jesus. I love this story because when the waiters bring the the newly transformed wine to the master of ceremonies, he acknowledges that this isn't just ordinary wine. It is better than what they had served so far. You know, in fact, they that he even says that there was a little bit of a, a, a trick that people would often pull, right? They'd, they'd serve the good wine first, and then when everybody had a little uh, too much to drink and didn't, lost a little bit of their sensibilities, then they would start bringing out the cheap stuff, right? But here he says that they saved the best for last. Jesus is so much better than anything else this world has to offer. Jesus is not just a poor substitute of what the world already offers. He's better than anything out there. This world offers happiness and pleasure, but true joy is found in the Lord's presence. The world tries to guarantee peace by removing obstacles and and running away from our problems. But in Jesus, there is true and lasting peace that passes all understanding. The world says to find meaning and identity in yourself, to be who you want to be, to be true to your heart. But Jesus says that you are his, that you belong to him that you were bought at a price and that you are a child 
of God, of the living God and a co-heir with Christ of an internal inheritance. Your identity is grounded in your relationship with your creator. Some people believe that life is just a, a uh, that we get to choose how we define ourselves in this life. That, But life is not a choose your own adventure book. Miles has gotten a couple of these uh, What Would Danny Do books. I don't know if anybody else has ever seen these, but they're like a choose your own adventure. They're supposed to teach kids about right and wrong choices. Miles likes to pick all the bad choices and see where those go as we flip through the book. Um, But we often think our lives are like a choose your own adventure book, that we are the main character and that we get to decide our own destiny. But we need to understand that God is the author of our lives. He created you with a purpose He knows you better than you know yourself. And so he is the one who defines your identity and your your significance and your purpose. And if we're honest with ourselves, his plan, his purpose, his identity is so much better than anything we could come up with on our own. So Jesus is better than what the world has to offer. He's the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament points to. He brings everything in the scriptures to its fulfillment and its completion. And he doesn't just give us something greater. He also gives it to us abundantly. These six stone jars were huge. Um, I think off the top of my head, I remember that each one contained like 120 liters or something along that line. And feel free to pull out Google to do a conversion to gallons if you want to. Um, but, But they are huge, right? And there are six of them. In other words, this is significantly more wine than they possibly could have needed for the rest of their wedding ceremony. It, was, it went above and beyond what they needed. Jesus gives us eternal life, but he also gives it to us in total abundance. It's like the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus blessed the five loaves and the two fish and instructed his disciples to pass it out to the crowd, they collected leftovers. 5,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fish. And it says that they collected more leftovers than what they started with. Jesus gives eternal life and he gives it to us abundantly. And finally, there's one more thing that I think we all need to notice in this passage. And this is a word to us who've already experienced the eternal life and abundant life that Jesus provides. For those of you who never trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord, I invite you to do that. Right, to know Christ and to experience the joy and the newness of life that he brings. But some of you here today says, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, I get that part. We are the servants that have that privilege of, of serving that wine to others. Notice that Jesus doesn't perform this miracle himself. He is completely hands-off. He instructs the servants to fill the jars. He instructs the servants to draw some out and carry it out. And we can only assume that the servants then carried out and served it to the rest of the banquet as well. Jesus is completely hands-off. He works in and through obedient servants. It's better than anything else the world has to offer. And he wants you to experience the blessing of being part of his kingdom. But he also wants the people in his kingdom to share that good news with others. So go out and share the good news. I believe Jesus is able to do amazing things through obedient and willing people. So the question is, will you let him work through you? Will you, let him, will you take that new wine of the gospel, the abundant life found only in Jesus, and share that with others? Our world is desperate. They need Jesus and the hope 
that he alone can offer. So he's asking you to draw from the jar and pass it out. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the new life that is found in you and you alone. We thank you that you give it to us in abundance, that, that it overflows in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that you entrust us with the gospel, that we can be obedient servants who draw it and pass it out to others. May you work through us to help provide for a desperate and needy world, a world that needs to hear the good news of your gospel. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.